Hello and welcome to the Investors Chronicle Companies and Market Show. I am John Human, editor of the Investors Chronicle, back from my uh, two weeks away, which is uh, which was very nice indeed. I've brought the weather back with me from Vienna. Uh, I'm joined today by Harriet Klarfeld. How are you, Harriet? I'm fine, thank you. Excellent. And uh, Alex Newman. Hi, John. How are you? Good, thanks. You're looking very smart. Yeah, I've got an event tonight. What are you, what are you doing? It's, a, it's a, a reader event. We do them every now and then. This one is about income. Excellent. And uh, Algy Hall and Leonor Walls is going to be presenting this. So. Yeah, Algy also looking weirdly s- smart today. Yeah, I've so. just insulted him about that. So he looked like a middle manager in a bucket and spade factory. <laughs> His she- sleeves rolled up and a tie on. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he, he took it as a compliment. Um, anyway, so this week has been the, the first part, the first instalment of our annual AIM 100 uh, feature, where we look at the top 100 companies in on the AIM market, as the, uh, the title would suggest. Alex, you've had the joy of putting that together this year. Sheer joy. It is a joy, isn't it? <laughs> it is, yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, this is uh, it's a logistical challenge, but we've got there in the end. And we've just finally got the 50 to 1 which will be out next week all lined up as well so oh so they're all written down they're all written excellent yeah. well done well done um, I was going to say we'll keep this brief because I know you've all got to get back there and, and, and get get part 2 uh, going I guess you've got to read through it now before I read through it but uh, yeah let's keep it brief yeah so we're going to talk through some of the the, the, the key stories uh, that, that have emerged from the AIM 100 I say we look at everything all the, the companies th- throughout that uh, that the, the, high, the, the higher end of the, the junior market uh, and give a little write up on each and have you their prospects uh, 50 at a time over so, two weeks so it was just it's by market capitalization it's not our ranking of the best 100 uh, companies on aim i suppose yeah well it's yeah. the aim 100 isn't it it's, it's the, the aim 100 yeah. and, and that, i mean because that, that moves the market cats move but it's yeah. one of those quarterly things that gets updated by the yeah. stock market so some of them so, some of the companies on there might actually have the smaller than some other companies that aren't in the list so that is probably worth highlighting Indeed, thank, yeah. you. thank you alex before we do that harriet seeing as you're with us one of the big news stories of the week uh has been sage now this is supposed to be a boringly reliable company <laughs> but the wheels seem to have come off. Exactly. So, I mean, I suppose boringly reliable, partly because it's an accounting software group. Ooh. Doesn't sound like the most exciting um, of areas to specialise in. But um, Sage is obviously this massive international company. And um, yes, I had a trading update last Friday and um, the shares fell by nearly a tenth mm. um, on, that, on the news that um, they'd downgraded their sales guidance by one percentage point for the full year. What, what's been the problem? Well, why, what, why have they downgraded their guidance? So they used this slightly unusual phrase, um, inconsistent operational execution for the six months to March, which in a nutshell means inconsistency because there was relative underperformance in two of the company's geographies while the rest of their geographies traded quite well. So it's a little bit vague in terms of, of giving us much information. Yeah, when they say inconsistent execution? Exactly. That, I mean, that suggests that there's, that's a problem they have with their go-to-market strategy. Yes. Ra- so, rather than it being sort of wider market weakness. Yes, exactly. So um, the two problem areas were Northern Europe and the Middle East and Africa, and from what we understand, Northern Europe, which is largely the UK and Ireland for Sage, basically didn't sell as much of the higher recurring revenue products, as many, I should say, of the higher recurring revenue products as they'd hoped to. And those kind of products are like cloud products, okay. for example. They're not blaming the economy then here? Um, no, I don't think they reference the economy in their, in their trading update. But, um, you know, I think there is, I mean, I should say, sorry, second of all, the other issue that um, they alluded to was contract slippage for their enterprise product in the Middle East and Africa. And they did say that they expect much of that slippage to be recovered in the second half. But in terms of sort of wider issues, 
I think we could see this in the context of sort of general jitters in the market around UK listed software companies. Yeah, so we had problems uh, just before I went from Microfocus, had a big profit warning, a huge, huge profit warning really there. Well, yeah, it was really, for Microfocus, it was in March and it was... um, uh, so for some background, Microfocus um, acquired or merged with HP's software business. Enterprise software business. Exactly. And and as far as I understand it, a lot of that enterprise software business is what you, you might once have known as autonomy. Yes, exactly. So um, and, and that sort of merger had been a long time coming as mm. well. And I think they had uh, to begin with that merger had been the most exciting thing ever. And it was, you know, from a management's perspective and maybe the um, the excitement about it had been slightly dialed down in terms of volume as it, as it actually neared completion. And now we've seen that there have been some transitional issues, which um, I think Microfocus largely blamed for a downgrade in their sales guidance for the full year. In terms of some of the issues Microfocus faced, I, mean, I, th- I think we've talked about this before, but the implementation of that IT system was one of them. I think basically a few areas for Microfocus, which maybe had anticipated being a little easier in terms of the integration, haven't quite worked out with, with HPE. Okay, and there was another uh, software company that, that's had a little bit of a wobble, which is Sophos, Sophos. which is uh, kind of uh, antivirus, you know, web, web yeah, protection cyber security. Cyber security, yeah. yeah. And actually, um, Sophos then, a few weeks ago now, actually had a very good update. So um, billings growth is back up to where they wanted it to be. But yeah, Sophos is another example of a company that has had ups and downs in terms of um, share price momentum. And I think there is this kind of wider feeling that anything can knock these companies off their pedestals at the moment. Is, is that because they're highly valued? Or I so, mean, are they more highly valued than the, the sort of broader market? Microfocus was highly valued. Um, obviously, it, it nearly mar- half of its market cap was eroded after this update on, on the transitional issues it was facing. Sage, actually, at the moment, is not particularly highly valued. But um, I think there's so much uncertainty now about how much they're going to be able to achieve in terms of their long-term targets. They did maintain their long-term targets within their recent trading update in terms of sales growth and operating margins. But um, I think people are now questioning whether they're really going to be able to to keep those up. Yeah, I mean, we've stuck at hold, I noticed. We've stuck at hold, yeah. So actually, Sage was a buy-tip until last year. And um, I'm now quite glad that it's <laughs> it's not a buy-tip anymore. But um I think but it's a, but we it's didn't a, want to call the bottom. It's, it's a good, I mean, Sage is a good business. It's a great it business. It's fundamentally a, a good business, yeah. It's been around a very long time. Its products are used by, you know, accountants and businesses across the country. Mm. A lot of those those uh, deals are kind of small, so it's lots of small deals, not no big exposure to single clients. Yeah. I mean, it's exactly the kind of thing we're looking for. And it's for, got really. a broad international software portfolio, which is really popular. I mean, people, um, organisations from sort of massive companies to freelancers use Sage for everything in terms of their accounting, but also they have this enterprise product which is actually where the contract slippage issue was, mm. which really stretches across um, order management to HR to customer relationship management. So you can see where there could be more cross-selling opportunities for them in the future. But um, it's just whether they get over this real dip that they experienced last week. Indeed, and they don't have the market to themselves. I can't remember the name of the company. It's always advertising on TV. Uh, small business software in the cloud. Quicken, or is it Intuit? I can't remember which one it is. Oh, I'm not sure. But, but, but yeah, it, they don't have it to themselves, exactly. So, um, And I know there's another company that was brought to my attention probably last week called Tax Systems. Never heard of it. I know, neither had I. Um, which is also a sort of accounting software company. So, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, let's let's move on to the AIM 100. Should we start? Let's start at the bottom, shall we? Uh, because the bottom is occupied by oil and gas. Yeah. You seem to have written most of the sort of 
top first ten. It's quite it's quite peculiar. So the uh, the the bottom being sort of the ten the hundreds to ninety in the countdown. Quite quite big companies though. Yeah, really. Yeah, so we're talking sort of probably starting about one hundred eighty million uh, pound market cap. There's a number of resources stocks, oil and gas and mining, in fact, which have just just crept on uh, to the list this year. No surprises why. One of the reasons being that commodity prices have done have done fairly well. That's not to say that all of them have had a great year. I mean, Amerisa Resources in, I think, 97th place has actually fallen uh, quite a bit in the last year. Yeah, I remember them being one of the bigger companies when we've looked at, when we put this list together before. Yeah. Uh, they, they had some results this week as well, didn't they? They did, yeah. Um, I think, so and we said there, it's, it's kind of crunch time for Amerisa. But we kept on a buy, didn't we? We did, That's yeah. That's brave. Yeah, we've, we've kept the faith uh, here, though it's been a very, very challenging year for Amerisa. They, they're this frontier acreage in the Putumayo region in uh, Colombia and are exporting via a pipeline through uh, across the border to Ecuador. So fantastic oil fields, very, very cheap transportation now. But, you know, as ever, it's very, very hard to do business in, in frontier oil and gas plays. And in the last year, they've had social unrest, which has, among other issues, been one of the reasons why they they failed really to hit their production targets for 2017. Okay. What else? We, we had some other results this week from, from some of the companies that you've covered yeah. in. So we had results from Eland yeah. and Griffin, I think, as well. Yeah, that's right. So Eland, Eland Oil & Gas, another politically risky oil and gas jurisdiction in Nigeria there. They had very, very good results uh, this uh, week. They've been ramping up spectacularly since uh, last May when the Fulcados Terminal, uh, which, is, which is run by Shell, uh, was reopened following some uh, pipeline attacks in 2016. That was that was very very crucial for Elan because I mean it allows them to sell their product to market. That's ramping back up. Um, they've got lots of fields coming and uh, wells coming on stream, and they're very very lowly valued. I mean it's, it's fairly typical of of Nigeria focused oil and gas stocks uh, for multiple reasons. Not only you know because. As we saw last year, their their, their major export terminal uh, came offline. But yeah, they're back on the AM100 this year and uh, I think very, very cheaply valued. Yeah, I mean, that's that's an extraordinary ramp up in turnover, 2,800% increase uh, yeah. uh, uh, last year. And the, and the forecast suggests that, that that's going to ramp up pretty quickly still in uh, 18 and 19 as well. So 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 it looks like it's, it's happening. Yeah, yeah. So that's from a pretty much a standing start consensus forecast this year, pre-tax profit of 118 million dollars the company is currently valued for 185 million pounds so that you can it doesn't you can see the sort of multiple they're they're currently on of course you know it's it's a politically risky jurisdiction to uh to to be in you know an explorer producer so the shares are always going to carry a discount also owing to the tax incentives they're going to probably have to uh, carry on developing their fields and drilling rather than turning to the dividend list which might be one way of convincing investors that this is you know this is uh, they're going to see some fruits of the cash generation now mm. that might be a few years down the line though i think okay but potentially more capital upside in the uh, in the interim yes yes and you know we should also mention that oil prices just hit 74 dollars a barrel yesterday which is a lot lot higher than everyone was expecting pretty much and elan sells currently sells its um product from the forecast terminal at a premium to brent so so yeah multiply that by the production growth and uh, there's a lot of cash flow this year yeah i, mean, I, th- I think though in, in, in the alpha report you wrote for us uh last month i mean you, you did imply that or you state quite clearly that, that the you know oil prices were likely to stay high for a while 
I mean, there's a caveat to that. I, th- I think, you know, lots of people have been saying they're going to be range bound because the concern is that any any geopolitical tension which is likely to raise oil prices will just be checked by a flood of production from from the US. As it turns out, OPEC, OPEC discipline has, has really held held firm and their cooperation with Russia has really checked the uh, another flood of flood of oil from traditional suppliers on, on yeah i mean u.s shale hasn't quite caught up to the levels people uh, were thinking but i mean summer is yet to come i don't think 74 dollars save for some big geopolitical spat with iran is uh, is likely to be there forever having said that the geopolitical situation is somewhat <laughs> fragile at the moment indeed um, yeah yeah uh, not to mention Venezuela, which, um, yeah, I mean, many people are thinking could collapse by the end of the year and their production is falling month on month. So mm, so more, more tightening from that direction. Yeah. Um, let, let's, let's talk about one more from your uh, area. Let's uh, let's talk about Griffin, because it's not a company I'd really heard of. It's had a storming year up 167% to make its way into the A100. Tell, tell us about that company. Yeah, I didn't know much about Griffin before, uh, before this year either. Um, so they have uh, this gold, silver, uh, lead, zinc mine in China. Um, four good commodities to be producing at the moment. Uh, an excellent mine by all accounts. China-based though, and they have grown production considerably just in time for serious rises in, in those commodity prices. What seemed to have sparked the very, very sharp re-rating in, in, in Griffin shares was a note um, last year from Cantor Fitzgerald, which suggested that investors should value it on a similar basis to Central Asian Metals, which is I mean, I think it's one of the best stocks on stocks on AIM. That's in the, the top 50, which is out next week, and we write about them. Central Asian Metals being a copper producer as well, with very, very strong track record of dividends. Griffin Mining doesn't have that, and also what Griffin Mining doesn't have is a permit for their second zone of mining, which the chairman has said in the past that it's coming, it's coming. Now he's saying there's 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 no real clarity on when we're likely to get this permit added to that it's an it's an aim stock with its operations solely concentrated in china you know there's a mixed track record there i mean there's no we have no reason to to doubt anything the company is saying but they are likely beholden to to chinese mining license authorities they're not paying a dividend unlike central asian metals not quite sure they should be rated at the same heady multiple that they are now so we've said sell which is our first recommendation of the shares but um if you've held the shares for any point in the last three years, you would have done very, very well. So, Indeed, indeed. Um, okay, let's move on to, to tech because, uh, you know, AIM is, is well known for mining and, and oil and gas, but it's also uh, been, been very well known for, for being a, a, a very good environment in which tech, small tech companies can grow. And, uh, and there's quite a lot, as you would imagine. Yeah. But you've been busy too, Harriet. Uh, yeah, I have. And um, I was going to talk a little bit about Samario Enterprises, actually, to begin with, which is a tech company in a way, but it does high-tech concrete levelling, which might not sound not like... technology. <laughs> well, <laughs> technology and concrete levelling combined. And um, it might not sound like it's going to set the world on fire when um, when you spell it out like that. But um, I think Samaria is really proving how lucrative that industry can be. In a nutshell, it provides equipment, training and customer support for concrete levelling services around the world. <laughs> You're laughing at me. I'm not laughing. I, 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 it doesn't I, I, sound I, that exciting. Listen, I've got to, I'm going to have a bit of concrete levelling by myself <laughs> in the near future. But, well, uh, yeah, I mean, for, as an example, apparently China uses around half of the world's concrete. So that is a place where Samaria sees a real growth opportunity. I mean, more generally, it set itself a sales target of $90 million for 2018, and it's almost there. In 2017, I think it got to sort of $86 million. 
and China is an area, although it's it's a market in which it hasn't made amazing headway yet, and actually it suffered, I think, slightly lower revenues there last year. Um, that could be just one sort of springboard for growth. So, so, so forwards. sorry, sorry. So it has established sales operations in yeah. the UK, in the UK, in the US, in China, in other areas as well. But um, I mean, I'm I'm using China as an example, but I think that North America is another place where it sees growth potentially progressing over the next few years. Presumably helps along if you know if the Trump infrastructure plan comes comes yep, to fruition. Potentially. I mean I should say that I think they did suffer some issues in North America because of rain. Obviously you can't level concrete when there's terrible weather. But that was a couple of years ago and things have improved there since then. And Samaro isn't although I've kind of mentioned the revenue growth, it is also more and more an income stock as well. So in their last full year results, which were earlier this year, it set itself a target net cash balance of $15 million and said that it would distribute 50% of surplus cash as a special dividend. Let's have a look. Let's have a look. We've got a table in here at the back with a number of fundamentals in it. Samero, 89, uh, dividend yield 2.7%, which is not yeah. bad for, an aim, no, for, exactly. for a high growth aim company. Exactly. So um, it does look like it's, it's performing well on all fronts at the moment. Obviously, as I said, this ha- there has been a weather issue in the past, they see China as a good opportunity for growth, but you know, and hopefully that will come to fruition. Um, let's, let's go full tech. Full tech, okay. Yeah. Well, Taptica was another company I was going to talk about. Ah, um, there it is, big picture of Mark Zuckerberg accompanying it. What's it got to do with Mark Zuckerberg? This is a well, kind of potentially the... nothing. This is this is the issue um, we've been trying to sort of figure out. So I should say Taptica was a buy tip, and we've actually downgraded it to a hold um, in the last couple of weeks. And basically, since these allegations emerged about the UK data analytics firm, Cambridge Analytica and Facebook, and I mean, just to recap, I'm sure everyone has read about this a lot, but um, allegedly Cambridge Analytica used people's private Facebook information from 2014. It's in the news constantly. It's an ongoing sort of saga, and it's been developing a lot since mid-March. And while I was away, uh, Mark Zuckerberg gave a two-day testimony to the US Congress. Exactly. Actually, which seems to do, I mean, as a little tangent... That seems to do the tech sector a power of good because yeah. the shares have jumped quite sharply in the last few weeks. And Facebook itself, you know, the sh- whose shares had been falling massively, I think, did rise again a little bit after after those two congressional hearings. Um, uh, back to Taptica, though. Back, What's it got to do with Taptica? So Taptica is a mobile advertising group. And um, as I said, potentially it has nothing to do with Taptica. But um, it can hardly be a coincidence, we think, that as the story around Facebook has developed, Taptica's share price has just fallen so much. I think it's down nearly 30% since the allegations first broke. And it just seems too much of a coincidence for that because Taptica hasn't put out anything else in that period apart from its own full year results within which it included a line saying the recent coverage around Facebook does not affect our business model. Mm. So, I mean, in terms of the results, I mean, what, what yeah. sort of numbers are we talking about in terms of the growth rates? And- so the results are actually really good. Um, I think their sales were around $211 million, which brings their four-year compound annual revenue growth rate to 49%, which is pretty good. They're, they're profitable and they expanded into Asia, into the Asia-Pacific region a bit more through their acquisition of a majority stake in a company called Ad Innovation. But this is Japan, isn't it? This is, sorry, this is Japan. Yeah. And um, they also bought a company called Tremor Video in the US, which has helped them to expand in North America. And also it's brought them a new sort of dynamic and brand advertising. But I think the issue, although they have said, they said a few days after the Facebook allegations broke, they said that it wouldn't affect their, bus- their business model. And Berenberg, um, the broker, actually also kind of reiterated that and said the group thinks that because they 
don't rely on Facebook for data analytics. They do that internally. Um, Facebook is obviously one of the customers, one of the advertisers they count as the company they work with among sort of 600 others. Mm, you would imagine it's a fairly major customer because I mean, Facebook does account for a very large chunk of, yeah. of advertising revenue. Well, they also work with Amazon. They do work with other big tech giants. I don't think we're aware of what proportion of their overall advertising partners it makes up. Yeah, yeah. And they also say, you know, they do leverage big data to help target, to help with media targeting. So you can see how that might ring alarm bells among investors. But I think probably the bigger concern for investors is that new regulation might be brought in. And so even if this Facebook Cambridge Analytica scenario doesn't directly affect them, they may face constrictions and new legislation which could ultimately constrain their growth. And this is all completely hypothetical because so far we don't know if it will affect them at all, but, but we just weren't prepared to take the risk. But, it, but everything about the uh, possible regulation of the tech sector is hypothetical mm. at the moment. And it, exactly. Uh, but it's enough to, to have switch, shift, shifted sentiment quite considerably. And events like, like the Facebook one, which has just led to international concern, you know, governments around the world have called on Facebook for questioning. I think... If we see more of these, it's likely that we will see much more regulation beyond GDPR coming into effect in May. Well, your big feature was very prescient, wasn't it? My Re- Your feature. Oh. <laughs> uh, playing by the new rules. Yeah. Right. When did you write that? Was Fe- February, was it? Uh, I think it was, I think it was March. Was it March? It was last okay. month, yeah. Oh, good timing there. Yeah. Um, um, one more, Harriet. One more. One more. Well, actually, I was going to talk about one that's going to be in next week's that's um, fine. issue. That's fine. Uh, as a sort of teaser for next week's A100. Go on, that's good. I like um, it. We always like a nice teaser. <laughs> so, Accesso Technology, which I think we can say is definitely a tech stock. It, <laughs> it's got it technology is. in the name. It is. So, Accesso um, provides ticketing and queuing software. And it was traditionally for theme parks and water parks, but it's now expanded into live event ticketing and ski resort software. So, all sorts. Um, I think I've used it stuff. Have you? Well, yeah, I, well, I used to go with uh, with my kids to Legoland quite a bit. And we, uh, being uh, disinclined to queue up for ages, we'd get a thing called a queue bot, which you, yes, know, you could jump yeah. the queue, basically. And, well, uh, that's the idea. And um, I think they are helping to transform the theme park industry. You know, people don't want to queue anymore and they want to sort of know where they're going to get in a certain event in terms of seating as which well. Which makes the, made the whole thing mm. so so much more of a nicer experience than standing with very young children in a queue all day. You know, it's, it's worth the money. I mean, you, it's like a tenner each for uh, exactly. these things for a day. And it just saves, so, it makes a much more pleasant experience. And um, they saw, Excesso saw really strong growth in 2017. So their ticket volumes passed 100 million for the first time ever. And um, I think their compound annual revenue growth rate over seven years is now 24%, which is also pretty good. Over seven years? It's, over it's, seven it's years, pretty spectacular. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty great. I suppose in terms of what could be a future growth tri- driver, the company was very excited within their most recent results about their Prism product, which is an in-park wearable device for water parks. And I, I think probably theme parks too. So Accesso says long queues are the single greatest disas- dissatisfaction metric for theme park goers. Yeah, I would agree. And they've helped to create the world's first 100% queueless water park. I wouldn't uh, know about year. that. <laughs> I know. I actually I can't say that I have been to a water park recently, but it does sound like a great idea. Um, and I think they say if this takes off beyond this one water park, it could really transform the entire industry. What is it? Water parks are massive. I mean, not here yeah. in this country in America, because our weather's rubbish, huge. but in America, yeah, yeah. huge. So um, I think that's a real opportunity for them. Um, I suppose what investors might dislike is the fact that because the company has enjoyed so, so much, such strong momentum, it is very highly valued. I think its forward PE is somewhere in the 40s currently. Mm, yeah, it's punchy. It, it is punchy. Um, obviously, a lot of tech stocks do have very punchy ratings. 
But I think, you know, they've had this really strong growth trajectory to date. And um, regrettably, I, I should say, we've always found when, we, when it's come to writing results, it just hasn't appeared to be a particularly attractive entry point. Mm. But, you know, some investors may be willing to, to take the jump. But I wish can... there was a roller coaster metaphor there. Uh, yeah, jump maybe is not a good metaphor no. for a roller coaster. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, sometimes, sometimes you have these companies that mm. they always look expensive, but, but if they have the growth to back it up, sometimes yeah. you know. And Excesso gotta... is increasingly, I think, convincing investors of that. So, yeah. It's it's fun to watch. I well, say. Look forward to that one. Yeah. Uh, okay, thank you, Alex. Thank you, thank you, Harry. Uh, I say there's a, there's a lot of uh, companies covered this week and and next week as well. Um, we, uh, we we've got a bit of an interesting metaphor on the cover this week uh, for, for AIM. It's it's a caterpillar in week one, which is going to flourish if you look at the advert at the back of the magazine into a butterfly next week. And we thought this was kind of interesting and appropriate for AIM in a, in a couple of ways. Although although it did occur to me as I was putting this together that some butterflies don't live very long, but I guess <laughs> I would guess the same is true of of AIM shares. <laughs> though, as as Graham has just pointed out, the Vanessa Cardwe butterfly does live for twelve months, so that should at least guarantee you know at least a year on AIM is. Uh, for, the top of aim is for a, bus, for a butterfly that's Methuselah isn't it <laughs> I, I suppose so we're looking for the Vanessa Cardwe of, of the aim world <laughs> I think the metaphor's been tortured we're, we're torturing it it's, it's <laughs> horrible uh, <laughs> uh, okay anyway uh, yeah so uh, that uh, feature takes up quite a large chunk of the magazine there are some other bits and bobs that, that, that you would expect uh, tips section uh, as usual lots in the comment um, section uh, and the money section which they will be looking at in their uh, podcast which I think they record tomorrow lots of interesting news uh, going on beyond beyond Sage it's actually been quite a good week on the markets we picked the we picked uh, the bad news but lots of interesting merger news and stake building news so uh, yeah pick up the magazine the A100 part 1 100 to 51 in all good news agents you can't miss it it's, uh, it's a large leaf with a being nibbled by a caterpillar. And uh, yeah, we will be back again next week talking about part two. So uh, thank you very much.